You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. We're back at it again here in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Startwell. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Hey, Charlie. Good to be back, man. Took a couple weeks off. Went to the fair last week. No, no not we. No, I, I went to the fair. You. I don't understand your hatred of the Neshoba County Fair. It's hot. It is it's hot. It's dusty and or muddy, and I don't want to go. Well, last week, early in the week when the fair started, and it goes Friday to Friday, and so it ended, what, two days ago? And so it, it came a good rain the opening Friday. Why do you end on a Friday? That's just the way they've always done it. That's well, the way we did it because that's the way we've always done it. Why would you not end on a Saturday? Why not take it? I mean, how much are people wasting, investing, whatever term you choose to use, on these cabin things you know you can use it what about two weekends a year why not get no, it three saturday you can use it three months out of the year it opens up in may the cabins do they turn on the electricity for you in may a lot of people do work on their cabins and then the second week of august which will be next i don't week. want to work on my house why would i want to work on a cabin that every clown that I haven't seen, you know, in the past 10 years is going to show up acting like we're great buddies. and Well, that's what you want. It's a family reunion and a college reunion all wrapped into one. It's fascinating, and I love it. I, I, I can't say I, I love it. But anyway, it came a rain, and then it kind of it knocked the dust down until about it Wednesday. It turned it into mud. Well, it knocked it down to Wednesday, and then it got dusty. And, uh, but hey, I had a great time at the fair. You always have the political speaking, and I'm not a political. Well, I like politics, but I don't talk about politics, nor do we on the show. But uh, you also have the Wednesday and Thursday when all the, the state politicians come in and speak. And you got a bunch of guys wearing shorts that you can tell that don't wear shorts at all during the year. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to fit in. Just trying, trying to look like a local. Yeah, it's kind of like Brian Kelly at LSU when he gives a speech and he gives that long draw. How y'all doing? A joke. Not I'm a, so glad that guy's gone and that he's their problem. Not everybody at the Neshoba County Fair is a redneck. But Ma- mark that. Yeah. <laughs> Play that later. Yeah. As if <laughs> as if you needed to make the clarification. All right, I'm so, not opposed to the fair. Let me be clear. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just opposed to me doing it. Well, okay. I can understand that. It is for I'm some not people. Much of a midway guy. No, I'm, I'm not, not a, much of a. It's not horse racing they do. What do they do? They do horse racing. But, and, but they're like in a cart or something, aren't they? Yeah. It's not like we're going to Belmont here. It's not like Churchill Downs. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some, uh, some side wagering going on in some of those cabins. Here's the thing I like about the fair, and I'll get off the fair real quick. All right? It reminds me of lo- the left field lounge when I was a kid growing up because where could you get a chicken on a stick or fried dill pickles? The pins. Pins is still in the midway, and I will admit this, Charlie, and I know this is not very good from a nutrition standpoint, but there were three times this week past 11 o'clock I got a chicken on a stick from Pins. And here's why I like the Pins chicken on a stick is because they do not use potatoes as filler, okay? It's chicken, it's onion, and it's dill pickles. That's it. You get a chicken on a stick. You don't get the potato, which I think is a complete waste. A lot of these gas stations do that. 
I'm a potato fan, but shout out to our friends in the Delta who like to – do we grow potatoes in Mississippi? I know we grow rice. Rice is healthier for you. We anyway, grow right? sweet potatoes. In Vardaman? Isn't in, that where you do that? Yes, in Vardaman. Anyway. Okay. All right, let's make the transition. We've talked about making the transition for a long time from baseball to football. I guess tomorrow is the month of August, and we do need to make the transition to the game of football. And before we get started – Do we? Yeah, we are in the Farm Bureau studios, and this is Sunday Coffee, and I've got my tall boy of Strange Brew Coffee. Strange Brew, three locations. Hey, Shane's a big fan of Strange Brew. You've got your Strange Brew over there. Shane's a big fan of Strange Brew. He owns Strange Brew. Of course he's a fan. Well, he's also a fan of the Shelby County Fair. Oh, okay. That's where I was going with that. I'm a fan of me, too, but I assumed he would be. But Strange Brew Coffee, I've got my blueberry-flavored coffee this morning, and so I've got the pods at the office now, and so I use the pods. And so you can order those, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, get the pods, get the coffee, get everything sent to you, the mugs, cool stuff at the Strange Brew Coffee House. All right, before we uh, tie the bow on baseball, you got anything you want to tie up? Well, there's a little bit that's been going on on baseball here recently, right? We've seen the draft, and that treated us pretty well. Wouldn't you say, was there anything in the draft that happened that surprised you? You knew you were losing the shortstop from Texas, top 20 pick in the draft, so, you know, no harm there. But you got a lot of really good players to campus that turned out a lot of money to come here. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that people kind of get lost on, too, is when a guy gets drafted. And, hey, this guy wasn't taken to the eighth round. This guy wasn't taken to the 32nd round. And, you understand the conversations that are had between representatives and kid and the teams and what they understand is going to take to get them to sign a contract. And you don't see as many wasted picks now as you used to. And so there's a lot of guys on the front end that says, hey, I'm not coming to school. And we saw a few of our guys that we thought could have been drafted in the second round or the third round that didn't get drafted at all. So I want to talk, though, you mentioned not having wasted picks. There are some strategic picks. Casey Hunt's an example of that, I think. So Casey Hunt was drafted, but very likely, if you were to read it, will not be signed. And sometimes I think what teams do is they take guys later in the draft almost as backups, meaning if my seventh-round pitcher doesn't sign, then I got this guy to sign. But if he does, I'm not signing both of them. Yeah, you don't see wasted picks – in the first four rounds, first, yeah, first five rounds. And you used to not see – I mean, you used to see some wasted picks. Now, Casey Hunt is an outlier. There are not many picks like that. But now, in today's world, the top ten, they pretty much get, get who they want. I mean, these guys have said they're going to go pro and they'll take a contract. But you do have some outliers with some teams and they, because people draft differently and teams draft differently. And I think Casey Hunt is one of those guys. It's kind of a filler pick. Yeah, I think very likely to see him back, so that's good. We got a number of guys. Look, we survived very well in the draft because Lofton, you know, the left-handed pitcher, that kid could have gotten a lot of money if they thought he was signable. You know, it's interesting, too. There's different things that go into the mindset of players. Some are all about what round they get drafted in. If I don't go in the first or second round, I'm not going. Some don't care about the round. It's about money, and some it's both. But all that being said, we survived. You know, Ross Highfield's a guy. That's the guy I was going to bring up, Ross Highfield. What have we talked about and heard about Ross for the past couple of years? I mean, there's a guy that if he'd have been signable, 
would have been drafted in the top couple of rounds. Yes. And so we we dodged some bullets there. We feel pretty good about that. And you hope that Gerangelo is going to be here. And how many times are you going to mistakenly say amphibious over the next Amphibious. Of course, he's ambidextrous. So from Curacao, which is where D.D. Gregorius is from, by the way. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Curacao is the island that has all the loud colors with the buildings. It is. Near Aruba, right? Yeah, I went back and checked that to make sure I was right on that, and I am right on that. So, But I'm excited about it. You know, in the portal, we saw just yesterday Mississippi State got a shortstop. In the portal, we didn't get a pitcher. That's drawn some attention. Yeah, my phone kind of blew up earlier in the week. When was that, Thursday? And, um, I mean, we can say it. Paul Skeens, a guy that we were on, that Arkansas was on, a lot of different schools were on. He was a Team USA guy, and, he uh, pulled the pin and went to LSU on Thursday. And I tell you what, uh, some of my buddies that I saw at the Neshoba County Fair, that's what they wanted to talk about. It made me retreat to the cabin and uh, enjoy some family time. But uh, just looking at it, Charlie, I mean, that's the thing that happens. It's, it's, it's crazy how in this world that we live in now, and this is not to diminish Paul Skeens at all, about how we get worked up over a guy in a transfer portal. Would it have been great to have him? Yeah, absolutely. But, man, I tell you what, I mean, is it worth going absolutely crazy over? I don't know if that's the case. Well, and part of it with baseball, too, and you have to look at staffs and you have to consider where people are going and then you have to consider the likelihood of injury and, you know, you wonder how much do you invest in a guy, you know, Certainly can't put it all on one guy and hope they don't get hurt. But let me let me play the other side. Because obviously, look, there's no no doubt. I mean, he was an All-American. We would like to have Paul Skeens. But we don't have him. So now that I'm a little bitter about it, can I give you the sour grapes? Sir, are you about to bash on him a little bit? I'm not going to bash on him. I'm just going to read you numbers. Okay. What is it you say to me all the time? When things go bad, you have to get really factual. Right? That's after, true. After we have a bad game. You're like, hey, let's just stick to the facts. I'm going to, I'm just going to stick to the facts a minute. But people can manipulate numbers. But go ahead. I'm just going to read numbers. The floor is yours. Okay. So here are the starts on the mound last year that Paul Skeens had. And I want you to stop me. I want you to count the number of opponents here that just strike fear in your heart. Iowa, Navy, Nevada, UNLV, New Mexico, Fresno State. California Baptist, Nevada, Fresno State, UNLV, San Diego State, San Jose State, New Mexico, UNLV, and Texas. Uh, San, San Diego State, decent baseball school. Fresno State won a national championship. Didn't Aaron Judge play at Fresno State? I think so. He did. That that, that national championship was many moons ago. Um, not picking up anybody right there that strikes fear in my heart. Okay, we got Texas. Fresno okay. State, San Diego State. That's who you've identified, right? Yep. All right, so let's talk about those outings. Fresno State, six innings, three runs. He walked four, by the way, striking out eight. All right, that's one of those games. He did go six innings, not allow run, first time out against them. San Diego State, he went six innings, gave up seven hits, four runs. They were all earned. He walked three, and he hit two guys. Okay. Texas, this is the final this is his swan song at the Air Force Academy. This is in regional play. And Texas was not, other than Ivan Melendez bat-flipping at pitchers. Four innings, seven hits, six runs, four of them earned. 
gave up a pair of doubles, also hit a couple of batters. So I say all that to say this. This is not bringing in Ethan Small. Okay, this is this is. I get it. His numbers are good. He's an all American. Look, I'm, I'm picking apart an all American, but that's what we do, right? We're not good. We're, this is not Brayden Oltoff. This is not Luis Ramirez from. I mean, I'm. I mean, this guy has more upside because he's a tall frame guy. I'm, I'm just saying he has not had the success that say a Luis Ramirez had at Long Beach State coming in here. Yeah, so let me just say it this way. He was 10-3 and three against that schedule last year. What is he in the SEC on Friday with last year's performance? Is he a guaranteed 10-win guy? Is he Will Bednar? Is he a Friday night guy? LSU's brought in a lot of different players. If there is a team that went portal heavy, if there is a John Calipari of, <laughs> of men's college baseball, <laughs> the one and done. Now, l- let me be fair. I want. I want. I'm. I'm doing this a little tongue in cheek. Okay, so let me be completely fair to the Skeens family, their friends, relatives, and all the good citizens of the Baton Rouge area. This is a good player. He there is. is not a look. The guy was on Team USA. There's nobody that wouldn't have taken him. I just say to say this: there is still a little bit of let's see involved here. There's a lot of let's see in this because hey, let me tell you this. This time last year, I mean, what are people saying about Dylan DeLucia? He oh, was, my goodness. We thought pitching would be the Achilles heel of that team. And, you know, he, he, was, the, he was the guy. He was the Will Bednar. He couldn't lose. And so it's baseball. Let me ask this question. So, and we have talked about this. This is not something we're just kind of making up on the fly. We made this statement about a month ago about how heavy you get with NIL guys. And with transfer portal guys, transfer portal guys, let's just say transfer portal guys, how heavy you get with that and what kind of chasm it could create in the locker room. We saw that in the early 2000s with junior college football guys, new guys coming in. We talked about all that. And if you hadn't heard that, go back a couple of shows and you can listen to that. So let me ask you this, Charlie. When when you get as heavy as LSU has, has, has gotten this year, and Jay, I know Jay's a great guy. I like Jay. And Wes Johnson is a new pitching coach down there. We saw Wes, and of course, you know, he can take his shots and and, uh, has his downfalls in his pitching philosophy like a lot of people do. But is it just me or what they're creating down there is very similar to what we see at Kentucky in basketball from a standpoint of the pressures that are going to be on those guys? Because right now, if you ask any LSU baseball fan, they're going to tell you we better win a national championship. And if the rumors are right of what they're you know, doing with NIL stuff down there, I don't know about that. They better win. They better win big. But how many national championships has John Calipari won at Kentucky? One. He won one. That's it. And let me tell you something. When you get down to Alex Box, and we saw this several years ago when you know they had some really, really good teams, the pressures when you've got a collection of guys, when you put together an all-star team, the pressures sometimes catch up with you. It's going to be very interesting to see how they handle the pressures. Oh, absolutely. And, look, that's Mississippi State's not an easy place to play. LSU's not either. And when things aren't going right, you're going to hear about it. And, look, the more you invest, the more you expect to see some return, right? And that's going to be part of the challenge for them. But, hey, look, that being said, hey, 
give me a bunch of all-stars. I'll see what I can do. I'll take my chances. I right? mean, yeah, we talk all the time about Jimmys and Joes, man, a little bit more than X's and O's. But, you know, you look around the field right now. Let's talk about Mississippi State a minute. I still go back to the question for us is going to be on the mound. Luke Hancock's coming back. Between Hancock and Highfield, you feel good about where you are at catcher. Hunter Hines will be your first baseman. Amani Larry, second base, probably you think Forsyth. Although we did get a transfer shortstop yesterday. Uh, VCU. VCU. Kind of just looking at his numbers. Not sure if he'll stick at that position, but he's a bat for sure. Uh, Slate Alford's had a great year in the Cape. Everybody feels good about him. And, you know, Ledbetter was outstanding up there. That's coming in to play the outfield, so you feel good there. Somebody, somebody is going to have to be your center fielder. Yeah. Kellen Clark, a pin right. Somebody's going to have to play center this year, and I just hope that we don't see like 16 guys doing it again. Man, wouldn't you Wouldn't you think we're probably a couple guys away from being finished? Probably need another pitcher or two and then an outfielder. Or are you looking at moving one of these cats to the outfield? You, you, I don't know how happy I'm going to be or how excited I would be to see we talk about center field, about the fruit basket turnover in the middle of the infield. I kind of I kind of hope we find our guys in the middle of the infield this year. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. When's the last time, you know, we think about Forsyth and we kind of call him, you know, a guy that would be a four-year starter, but how much turnover have we had in our middle infield the past, I want to say the past couple of years? Well, last year was, was you know, moving around everybody. Musical chairs big time. But you got to have pitching. Casey Hunt looks like he's coming back, and you hope that he stays healthy, can give you what you need. And you've got some transfers there. So, you know, we're not out of it yet. Let's let's just play it and see how it, how it shakes out. Oh, yeah. Okay, football. That's what everybody wanted to talk to me about at the fair is football. It's almost like a lot of people have turned the page in getting ready for football. And so at, at the end of the day, you know, before we just dive in and, and get all analytical, because we'll do that a lot on our Friday Deep Digs, just 10,000 feet. What are you What are you wanting to see this year out of football? Wins. Well, of, of course. Other okay. than so, was that too high level? <laughs> that's more like the fifty thousand. That, well, that's level. what I was about to say. That's cruising out the <laughs> two to forty five thousand. What What do I want to see? I would like to see this be the year where we all have reason to be excited about our offensive production. For whatever reason, we put up some big numbers, but everybody's still upset about it. Everybody's frustrated. I hope that this is the year that we think, man, this worked. Yeah. And you would think, you know, and looking back over Mike Leach's career, it seems like year three is kind of the year it all clicks. And are we going to throw underneath? Yeah, it's going to happen. A Um, lot. We're going to throw underneath a lot. But you just begin to understand angles a little bit more about how this offense works. I think, you know, from an offensive line standpoint – you know, toward the end of the year last year, we are kind of beating up on the offensive line. You look back at the bowl game, and everybody thinks back to the bowl game, and you think back to how many guys were I sick. I have erased that from my memory. I had to. How many guys were sick, and just, uh, you know, I thought the effort was there for the Ole Miss game. Thank goodness I was broadcasting the men's basketball game, so I didn't even get to watch the Ole Miss game last year. I didn't. Even, I have not gone back and even watched the game. Brief detour, by the way. You mentioned bowl games. I think we are on the edge of seeing a major shift in bowl games. For all the people who talk about there being too many, I think we're on the edge of seeing the end of that. You think? I do. I don't know the guy. I think it's going to take money to get guys to play. You got insider knowledge there? No, I have no insider knowledge. But what I'm saying is think about how many guys, not just at Mississippi State, but other places, 
were sick last year yeah. around bowl game time. Think about how many guys opted out of bowls. We played that bowl game with with guys. There were several people, and we broke this down after the game, who played more snaps in that game than they had played the entire season combined. And that's not unique to us. It was happening everywhere. This will be the year, I predict, though, where they won't have, and I, I'm not accusing our players of anything, but around the country, there will be no COVID excuse. So the guy, at least you hope there won't be. Right. But the point being, now, whereas last year all over the country, guys had the ability to say, I don't really want to play, next year, this year, I think you're going to find out kind of what people are really about, what the players are really about when it comes to playing in bowls. Is that a case for the fans, too, from a standpoint? You think back to this time last year and in the month of August, it was almost like COVID got hot again. And so you had some people may have opted out of coming, some older people, that, you know, some of your, your long-standing season ticket holders that may not have come back early in the year last year and, and stayed at home. Wouldn't you say this, is, this may be the first year back since 2019? It feels like it to me. The other thing I would say is I think it's going to be a chance for us to find out how much people's preferences have changed, how much our population has shifted in terms of what we're willing to do. I think one of the longest impacts that we're going to see, and I may be proven wrong, and I hope that I am, is that a lot of people back in 21 lit up their grills on the back porch, bought their own refreshments, had their own restrooms, and decided that it looked pretty good on the big screen, and they didn't spend a bunch of money tailgating and that kind of thing. I think now we're going to find out, whereas a lot of people are still comfortable with that last year, if this is the year that people say, you know what, there's no substitute for being there. There's no substitute for being at the tailgate and seeing people. You're talking about the fair getting to see people. I think this is the year we're going to see where consumer preferences are. But I'll, look, man, I don't know. I have not been up. I haven't seen the balconies that they're working on. Haven't, you know, this part of the stadium where they're going to have kind of a, what, kind of a left field lounge concept that's out there. But I'll say this. I give credit to Mississippi State for this. They're trying something. Because the days of people coming and sitting in the 300 level up in the corner at about the 10-yard line, those are, those are over. Well, I think not only preferences of coming to games, but also you know how you want to enjoy that game. And I think that's what the balconies show. And I know when, when the balconies were released, everybody was like, man, that's high up. I'm, there's no way I'm going to sit up there in the corner of the end zone at the top of the stadium. And – you start thinking about it, the ability to move around, the ability to walk around and, you know, have have leg room and and get up and get my own drink and things of that nature. And that's why out of 22 balconies, they had 40-something requests. I mean, there are a lot of people who, who don't want to sit down. It doesn't matter if you're at the 50-yard line on, on seat number 13, seat 13 and 14. There are a lot of people that like to get up and move around. I'm that guy. I am you too. You could give me a ticket behind home plate in Yankee Stadium, and I'm still going to feel the need to walk around the concourse. I did that I in just Chicago. Can't sit still. I did that at Wrigley Field earlier this year. We had a t- we had great seats, had great seats, and I finally looked at Julia about the third inning and says, "Hey, we got to walk around." And that is not a stadium that's conducive to walking around. That's the one great thing about our baseball stadium is you can walk around the stadium and still see the game. But anyway, I digress. Well, I th- I think you know this year, um, 
people ask me all week about, you know, what are you thinking? And I was like, you know, I, I really look at this team, and I, I, I kind of like this team. I think this team could be a lot better. And I think one of the hangups for a lot of people is, you know, we traded Vanderbilt for Georgia. Yeah, we did that. But, uh, that, well, I mean, you say that as if it's just kind of a throwaway. That's a big deal. It is a big Cause deal. Because everybody's talking about, hey, we got to win 10 games. I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. At a 90% probability level, you have two losses on your schedule before you start. I mean, if we were running the probability numbers, what is the probability of beating either Alabama or Georgia? I'm not saying we can't. I'm not saying we won't. I'm just saying pure, what are the odds? If I played the money line at Vegas, you know, what are, what are they going to say to me? Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> they may laugh at you. Um, but I say you, you've got Memphis at home. Have you ever wanted to beat Memphis? Remember the uh, Jackie, Cheryl, uh, Tommy, <laughs> was it Tommy West, you know? The, <laughs> Tell Jolie. Tell Jolie. Glad he circled that one or something. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to beat Memphis as bad as you do this year? Well, um, yeah, exactly. And thank goodness it's at night. Yes. And so then the second week you go to Arizona, who has really struggled. I mean, if, you, if you're playing this game 15 years ago, You'd be really, really worried, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm the talking desert to, swarm defense yeah, and all that, bear down and all that stuff. So I'm not saying I'm, I'm, you know, I'm chalking it up as a win right now. It's going to be tough to go on the road and play, but that is a very winnable football game. And so, okay, you beat Memphis the first week. Say, let's beat Memphis the first week. You beat Arizona the second week. Let's go to Baton Rouge in week three. New head coach Brian Kelly. What are they going to do at quarterback? Can you win on the road? In Baton Rouge, I mean, we did it two years ago. It's a night game. Does that bother you anymore? Not really. Yeah, Not that really. was the thing, right? LSU, Baton Rouge at night. All right, but let's let's play along. Let's say you win. Then you got Bowling Green the next week. And that's we'll get the, half a hundred hung on us. That's the one that worries me. <laughs> yeah, we'll get. You know, <laughs> you know, if you're three and zero coming back and playing Bowling Green, that's the game that really, really bothers me right now. You know, I, I was thinking back to, like, bad losses. You remember when we went out to South Carolina when Tannehill was there? They were, like, 0-6. They start the freshman and just – and then we lose. We'll just wear us out. <laughs> <laughs> like Bowling Green. Be the greatest offensive output since Urban Meyer was there. <laughs> um, no, but so let's just say hypothetically you win that one. Now where are you? Well – Now you got uh, A&M coming to town. Now you got A&M coming Open to town. Opening weekend of October. What could this place be like? Well, hey, where is LSU and Florida State playing that first week? That's, I don't know. So LSU plays Florida State the first week, so they've got a name to open their season. Let's just say that Florida State – now, Florida State's not going to beat them. Florida State is a program that has gone awry. But they have, well, they have played a team. They play Southern the second week, Southern University, not Southern Miss. Southern University in week two at home. So they will already had a home game. Yeah, go ahead and put me down for a win there. September 17th, 5 o'clock. It's a 5 o'clock game. It's not like it's an 8 o'clock game. It's a 5 o'clock game. By the time it turns Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night, the crowd will have turned against the Fighting Tigers. So you think they're done by that point? I think That's they're done by that. Yeah. You know, I went down and watched LSU and Florida State play at Baton Rouge one year, early 90s. I went to see LSU and Notre Dame play in Baton Rouge in the late 90s. I was there. Were you really? I was. Ron Palace was the quarterback. Came in there. It was an early game. Notre Dame won that game. Notre Dame did win. And they played again in the bowl game. Notre Dame did not win that game. Yes. 
the thing I remember about that game is they had the Save the Trees campaign going on. They made this PA announcement about Save the Trees, saving some oak trees on campus. And this guy stands up, and he was like, we're getting our butts handed to us. I'm going to dial this down a lot. We're getting our butts <laughs> handed to us by Notre Dame. We're worried about some oak trees. <laughs> Man, that was an interesting experience going to LSU when I wasn't necessarily that LSU-Florida State game because I wasn't dialed in. I just wanted to see Florida State play. You know, that was back. Terrell Buckley was there, Marvin Jones. I think we were past Casey Weldon at the time at quarterback, but it wasn't – it was one of those games where LSU jumps out like 21 to nothing and then Florida State comes back, wins like 55 to 21, something like that. Two of the most obnoxious fan bases at the time that you could imagine <laughs> in a stadium. But I'll say this, Florida State, I went down to, and actually saw a game there. I saw Notre Dame play at Florida State in 14. And it's so easy as a Mississippi State fan to sit around and kind of have that poor us mentality of we don't have this, we don't have that. I'm telling you right now, the game day atmosphere in Starville is infinitely better than it is at Florida State. It's it's not even comparable. I can see that. Not even comparable. And so it goes back to the question we were talking about earlier about getting into games, doing things, showing up. I want to go to games here. I want to be at the tailgates. Had I been at Florida State, nah, not so much. Hey, so we're a month away from football starting, and we'll uh, we'll get dialed in more to football. Hey, did you see where they retired Will Clark's number last night out in San Francisco? I did. I had that big poster on the wall, you know, the Will the Thrill poster that had the ball being demolished. Remember that picture? I don't remember the poster. That I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that remember that picture. We he, he takes the swing and had Will Power on it, and the ball's just falling apart. So they're they're retiring. They retired his number last night, twenty-two. At um, it's not AT and T anymore. It's Oracle Park, right? You know, I can't remember. Everybody changes names now. It's with stadiums. You know, used to you knew the name of a stadium and you knew two or three guys on a team. You know, when I, when I think of the Milwaukee Brewers, I thought of Robin Yount, Paul Molitor. I mean, Yount. Is that how you say? Always it was always Robin Yount to me. Nanawoya said Yount. Okay. okay, that's fine. Okay. You know, when I think of the Brewers, I always still think of Bob Euchre. Well, of course. Yeah, Bob Euchre. Okay, if the first person – Great seats, hey, buddy. Remember those commercials? <laughs> you missed the tag. <laughs> classic. Do not watch Major League and then try to broadcast a ball game afterwards. Oh, no. I've learned that the hard way. Then, the, okay, first person – you're a Yankees guy. If I say the Red Sox, who do you think? Yastrzemski. Okay. Jim Rice to me. Don Baylor. Ah, Don Baylor. Okay. What about if I said the Dodgers? Fernando. And Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey. What if I said the Astros? Oh, that's easy. Oh, well, there's actually two. Jose Cruz. Yes. And J.R. Richard. Okay, Nolan Ryan was easy for me. Mike Scott. You remember J.R. Richard? Not he really. Could, oh, I mean, he could throw it like 100 miles an hour, but he had some mental issues, really fell apart. Jose Cruz, because he had that just obnoxious batting stance. You know, he <laughs> held the bat like over his head. Well, that was a Julio Franco, too. That's who I think of with the Rangers. With the Mets, who you think of with the, with the Mets? I'm really going down a rabbit hole right now. Oh, the Mets is Gary Carter. Gary Carter. But, hey, 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 that actually brings us to something. We have a, we have a little six degrees of separation here. So – Gary Carter was the catcher for the Mets. At one point, his backup was Barry Lyons, who went in to the Mississippi 
Sports Hall of Fame. He did last night. Along with three Mississippi State people. How about that for a connection? When Eric Moulds went in, Kermit Davis, or Kermit, yeah, Kermit Davis Sr., Bob Tyler went in last night. I always think, man, if we'd have had NIL for Bob Tyler, well, we probably <laughs> did have NIL for Bob Tyler, but that's a different issue. Bob Tyler got some excitement in Mississippi State football. He did. And he brought up that, uh, what's that old phrase? What's what's good for us is, and I, I used that a couple of weeks ago it's too. It's bad for them, and what's bad for them is good for us. So, what about Eric Moulds? Best wide receiver to ever play here. And I know Marty McDowell was really good, and we've had some we've had some good receivers. But, man, let me tell you something. That early 90s with Eric Moulds, uh, we've never, we haven't had anything that touches that. I, I also think, you know, a lot of times we have the argument in sports about the greatest athlete of all time, and you can talk about Bo Jackson, Dion, these guys who could do multiple things. I think Eric Moulds, forget which sport they play, arguably the best athlete at Mississippi State. i tell you this. That guy was unbelievable, had a great career with the Bills. He could play basketball. He was all pro, made the Pro Bowl, which they may do away with the Pro Bowl in the near future. But anyway – uh, Eric Moulds was a fantastic player. And uh, Kermit Davis Sr., of course, the, the younger generation knows Kermit Jr., and, of course, he's a head coach at Ole Miss. But, but Kermit Davis Sr., you talk about a great ambassador for Mississippi State, living in Tupelo. I mean, he, he is just he's always just been a great ambassador for Mississippi State. So in 1996, Final Four in the Meadowlands in New Jersey, I was flying out of LaGuardia, headed back to law school after – would have been on that Sunday. And this guy just sat down and started talking to me, talking about Mississippi State. And I said, hey, I'm Kermit Davis. And I was like, he, he was great. And just like out of nowhere, you know, just sat down, started talking, talking great about Mississippi State. It just kind of always stuck with me because you think of people like that, a lot of times they just want to be left alone. And Kermit Davis wasn't that way. Not him. Not him at all. Just great guy. Hey, Jim Gallagher went in last night. We've friend had him of the on, show. yeah, friend of the show. We've had him on, Dave Delucci. He's another friend of the show. Has Dave been on the show before? We have not had him, and we should have. We should have Dave on. Dave's a great guy. I've known Dave for a long time uh, since we were in college. You know, he played with the Rangers, and he actually commented once that he got nonstop was getting shout outs from Mississippi State fans, and one of those things kind of stuck with him. Willis Wright, Strawbell High, former coach in South Panola. Isn't he from Winona? It Willis Wright from Winona. He was from Winona, but he coached at South Panola. That's kind of where he, he had a great career at Startwell, and then he went to South Panola, and he kind of created that University of South Panola feel up there. And he lived three doors down from me when I was in junior high. Willis Wright was one of those guys, and he could take – he's one of those guys could could take his and beat yours and then take yours and beat, beat his. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he's just one of those coaches that had it figured out. So you know what this makes me think of that I would love for us to do? And I don't know which show it would go in, but I'd like a little segment where we talk about somebody who's in our like our M Club Hall of Fame. Okay. I was playing with that list last night, just reading through it, and I found one that really jumped out at me, and that is H.P. Punchy Davis, Jr. Mayor Davis. Yeah, Mayor Davis used to live across from the Catholic Church, would wave at everybody, but he is in the Mississippi State, the M Club Hall of Fame. You know what sport? Basketball. Boxing. Boxing? He came to Mississippi State College or whatever it was at the time, late 30s, on a boxing scholarship. Huh. 
Think about that. We had boxing scholarships. Okay, so let me let me ask you this question: If they still had boxing today, I, if they still had boxing today, what athlete on campus right now do you think would be the best boxer? Mm. Buki Watson. I'm thinking. Okay, what position? What are we thinking about? You got to think. To me, it's long arms and agility. You can't be. You know, you can't be short in stature. I guess there are some boxers. So if you went with somebody that was, yeah, Mike Tyson wasn't wasn't tall. Like, let's think positions a minute. Like, you'd want a guy who's maybe your four on a basketball team. Yeah, but I mean, but that's six seven, six eight in today's world. Fury's a big guy, right? He is. I mean, in football, you would think linebackers, right? Middle linebackers, outside. KJ Wright would have been a great boxer because that guy had the longest arms. What about Montez Sweat? Montez Sweat may have been too tall. I don't know. Yeah, he would have probably been. He was six four, six five. Uh, there was just a whole lot of tenacity wrapped up in there. Yeah, let me. Yeah, Bernardrick McKinney. Bernardrick McKinney. He's not another guy that could just get his arms on you, and very athletic, quick feet. So what if we? That's something to think about. Not we won't go down too far down that rabbit hole today. But like, if you went baseball, yeah, I mean, would Cumbus be your guy? I could see Cumbus with a bloody nose just keeping on fighting. I mean, it'd be hard to kill him off, wouldn't it? It Because you got two things here. One, you have to think about what kind of punching power somebody has. Okay. But the second thing that you got to think about is do they are they built on a firm foundation? I mean, it's one thing to give the punch, but can they absorb it? And I think with a Brad Cumbus, that guy could just stay there and take it all day long. Let, let's just ask this. If it were a baseball team only fight from this past year, who, who's your finals? I think Landon Sims would fight you with his left arm, with his right arm tied behind his back. All right, well, yeah, that that could be. <laughs> that could be. I, I'm thinking of some former coaches that I wish would have been in the boxing ring, but they couldn't box. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few of those. Yeah, so I'll have to, to play with that one a little bit. Yeah, okay. Um, hey, enjoyed it as always. And uh, it's always good to be back in the saddle. It's not long now until football season starts. And as we said in the fall, we'll have our Friday deep dig shows. We'll have our regular show during the midweek as well, but then Sunday coffees. And so we're getting getting geared up for football. I have a football question for you. What's that? I gave you my thoughts on baseball earlier. I want you to make me feel better about the outlook for our defense's performance this year. Explain to me why our defense this year will be better than it was last year, keeping in mind it was not terribly good in the red zone. Well, I think here's – when I look back at last year's team, I think of the injury to Jordan Davis. I think of Jack Harris being injured. And we had so many guys last year that were injured on the front line. And who's to say, hey, we haven't started camp yet. You never know. We hope, knock on wood, the injury bug doesn't hit us again. I thought our guys just wore down at the end of the year last year. I thought Randy Charlton wore down at the end of the year last year. Uh, you start thinking about Crumbity. You know, we've added some guys on that defensive front. I think that's you know, to be able to rotate those guys in and out. I think that's one of the, the most overlooked things we think of sometimes with defensive linemen in today's game when so many teams are passing. If you ask a defensive lineman, what would you rather play against? I'd rather play against a running team all day long because they're coming right at me. A team that throws the ball, I'm trying to get up the field, I'm trying to get pass rush, play after play after play. In today's world of fast-paced football, I think it just wins you more. And I thought that last year at the end of the year, our defensive line was kind of whipped down. 
I think, you know, you think of Abuki Watson in the middle. You think of some of these linebackers, a Tyrus Wheat. We've talked about him. I actually think our secondary is going to be better this year than it was last year. And I know we lost Martin Emerson. We lost, you know, Peters back there as well. But I think we, we just have more depth, it seems like, to make us be better. And I think, you know, with our offense – and I think we're going to score some more points this year. I think our defense is going to let up a few more points, and I think that's going to translate in some wins. Does that make you feel better? That makes me feel a little better. Who's just going to be the guy on the defensive line? That I won't say – I will I start to say who we'd be talking about. I think defensive line is probably one of the most misevaluated positions by fans. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times – when Tommy Kelly came in here, well, this is kind of going back a ways, right? But remember Tommy Kelly, the defensive lineman? Yeah, going to blow that guy up. Well, the deal was, though, it got out that he wasn't that he wasn't playing well. But if Tommy Kelly could have played great and everybody leaving because they read it on the Internet, was like, well, he didn't play good. Well, well he just played great. Well, and here's the thing about uh, defensive linemen, too. Defensive linemen taking up bodies, taking up double teams, frees up your linebackers. And so, to me, that's the. it's not about how many tackles you make as a defense. That's a great point, Charlie. You made a great point. It's not about how many tackles you make. It's about freeing up other guys. And having linebackers that can step up and hold and make a play. Let me tell you this. We, we talk about – and I'm not. I don't want to talk bad about a, a transfer at all. But I thought Aaron Brule was a different guy two years ago than he was last year. And one of the reasons I thought he was a really good player two years ago is because he didn't have to fight as many linemen. Last year, with our depth issues at defensive line, you didn't have as many double teams. And all of a sudden, some of those linemen were getting that second, you know, second level with linebackers. I'll and, tell you the other thing he did though. He had the quarterback in his sight several times last year. Missed him and just whiffed. Yep. Just whiffed. So you got to fix that. I think when I look, I still think Cameron Young is just an outstanding defensive lineman. I, I can go with that. You know, he's not going to light up the, the sack totals. In fact, I don't even think he had one last year. I think he had a couple of tackles for loss. But he's just kind of a good, steady dude at a place you need a bunch of good, steady dudes. You know, you got Pickering, you got Cromedy. You just got to have some guys get in there and. You know, I remember when Kyle Love, remember Kyle Love, defensive lineman? Oh, State? yeah. Kyle Love went and played for the New York, uh, excuse me, New England Patriots. Kyle Love had a long NFL career. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he, you're talking about a placeholder in the middle on the defensive side. And that was the thing. I remember somebody said this. One of the coaches, I was talking to him, and they were talking about your job. When you get to New England, here's the one thing you do. Don't get pushed backwards. Just you, you have to hold the line of scrimmage right here. And as long as you don't get pushed backwards, and as long as it takes a couple of guys to try to push you backwards, <laughs> you're going to be playing a long time. And, it, you know, if you think about it, that's part of the issue is we've just kind of gotten pushed on. And I thought as it went on last year, we got pushed on more. We did. We did. And like I said, toward the end of the year, I just thought we were kind of beat down. Um, all right. So we'll come back next week. Hopefully some interesting things will happen during the week. If not. Or not. Well. I suppose. So let's ask that question then. What are you looking for? You want something interesting? What would you like to hear between now and next week? Another Friday night starter. In baseball? <laughs> Friday night starter in baseball. That's what I want to see. I don't know how many of those guys are out there still in the transfer portal. Not, not so much. Yeah. 
I enjoyed it. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Agents across the state of Mississippi. Great customer service. And, of course, our Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Once again, thanks to our good friend Shane Reed and the fine folks at Strange Brew Coffee House with their three locations. I go to the University Drive location just down the street from here. And Charlie goes to the Highway 12 and Spring Street, and of course, if you're in the Tupelo area, but go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com if you're looking for that great Strange Brew Coffee. And once again, our good friends at Bank First. Bank First, a growing bank throughout Mississippi and Alabama. Go to bankfirstfs.com. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee. <laughs> 